Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello there, listener. This episode of The Second Tier is sponsored by Boot and Ball. They make artwork inspired by the world of sport. They've got 225 designs, 60 of which are for different football teams, including the likes of Reading, Derby, Blackburn, QPR. You get the idea. All their artwork is available via print, frame print and canvas. And because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 15% off using the code second tier. That's one word, all in capitals. Why not have a gander and see if something takes your fancy? Go to bootandballprints.com right now. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Falcon to my Captain America. It's Justin Peach. I've still not watched that yet. It's superb, honestly. Is it? it? It took a while to get going. Uh, this is the Falcon and Winter Soldier for anyone who's not a nerd. Um, <laughs> it, it takes a while to get going, but it is amazing when you get to the finale. Anyway, Justin, how are you? I'm I'm very good. Just exchanged on a house, so picking keys up this weekend. So it's all it's all go in the adult world. What a time to be alive! And speaking Absolutely. of adult world, you have got a marvelous tash going. I yeah, I've been growing it since like mid February, and now it's it's got it's got the the, the twirls you get on, on the ends, where you can just you know a bit like a musketeer. I'd, yeah. I'd say. and you've also got none growing in the middle, so it mm. kind of is properly parted as well. We'll yeah. have to get a picture out on social media for this because it's it's too good to miss. I say. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you agree. I've I've had uh, I've had um, pelters, shall we say, f- uh, from friends. Undeserved friends, in inverted commas, yeah. <laughs> Undeserved, I say. You are listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are in the world. We are going to run through the game on Tuesday night. A massive game between Rotherham and Brentford. Massive in terms of the relegation battle. And then just after that, we'll talk about the relegation battle as a whole because there's nothing else to sort out in the Championship. It's the only thing left for us to talk about for the rest of the season. Uh, So we'll go through some of the games coming up in that at the weekend and then also talk about some of the news because there's been a few interesting tidbits that have happened over the past few days. But let's talk about that game from Tuesday night, Justin. Rotherham's chances of staying up and now out of their hands after they lost 1-0 to Brentford. Brian and Boomer with the goal. What did you make of the game, Justin? I thought it was, um, it was yeah, I don't want to say it was an interesting game because I pretty much say that for, for a lot of the games in the Championship. But as far as contests go, I thought Brentford were clearly the better side. But Rotherham had their spells. It just feels like Rotherham are missing that lack of, that, the final bit of quality they need to to get over the line you could see it with the half chances and, and moments that they had they just couldn't, couldn't quite get them through to the goal and David Rea fairly unchallenged all the way through the game so yeah it was a, a fairly one-sided game at times 
for, for, for Brentford and Rotherham had chances, but that was it really. Yeah, I thought they were outclassed by a better side. And Rotherham have a funny habit recently of either creating loads of chances and just failing to score or simply being outdone by their opposition. Unfortunately for them in recent times, the result has stayed the same in <laughs> either case. That's five straight losses now. And I asked the question, Justin, do you think fatigue has caught up with these Rotherham players or maybe it's already caught up with them and it's just carrying on? Yeah, well, that, yeah, so I think fatigue is affecting the team but not in a way that they're making their players tired. I don't think they've got long spells of the game in them, some of the players, but I think one of the issues that Warren's having to do is having to juggle his team to make sure the players that are in there are playing at their optimum. So at no point is, is Paul Warren able to get his best side out. Let's be honest, Freddie, Freddie Ledapo started on the bench, for example. You'd want to start him alongside Smith in, in, in the big games. Daniel Barlas has not started it. Yeah, he's been in and out of the side as well. So he's having to juggle things. And I think that's the thing that's, well, that's what's impacting the side at the moment is is that constant juggling of the, the starting 11. Um, because I don't think, they're not showing signs of fatigue, but they've got Matt Crooks to come back in as well after his, his, his ban at some point. So yeah, it, is it impacting them? Making them tired? No, but there's constant rotation, which isn't ideal for a sale team. I'd disagree on the first point, but I'd agree on the second point. I think they are looking a bit tired because this Rotherham side throughout the season has been known for its pressing and closing down. And from what I saw in the Brentford game yesterday, it wasn't as it wasn't happening as much, quite frankly, as it had done in previous games. I, I remember at the very start of this run. Um, just after we came back from the international break, Rotherham were full of energy, running their legs off. And every time I've seen them since, that seems to go down a level. And it does seem like, for me, fatigue has finally caught up with these with these players. We have got to remember, teams now, it's not like how it was before, where it was midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend. Rotherham are the only side doing that now, pretty mm-hmm. much. Other teams yeah. are getting rests. So... It is gonna it is gonna catch up, and I I always thought it would catch up with them. I didn't think they would go on this bad a run of form where they've had five straight losses. Um, but unfortunately, I think fatigue has finally caught up with them. We'll talk very shortly about what the result means for the relegation battle as a whole. A quick word on Brentford, considering all they're playing for now is where they're going to be in the top six. I thought this was a professional performance. It was. I think my only criticism would be to Ivan Tony. I think you could say he was unlucky not to hit his 30th, but if we're, as I say, if we're going to be critical of him, the chances he had over the last two games, he's got to put them away. Um, the, the Brentford are going into the playoffs where, where games can be cagey. You can't be wasteful in these ties, and so far for me, Ivan Tony has been. If it wasn't for five foot six Brian and Buemo getting on the end of a, a great cross from Sergi Canos, this game probably would have finished 0 0. Well, he's now got. Not only one goal in his last 630 minutes so he's going through a dry spell by his standards anyway because uh, we all know how clinical he's been this season and we've been waiting for ages for him to get this 30th goal yeah. it just hasn't been coming um, we all thought he would easily get over 30 but um, yeah we're still waiting for that on that front so that that's probably Brantford's main concern really isn't it heading into the playoffs because they've managed to get a great result against Bournemouth at the weekend but Ivan Tony, the one player who has single-handedly dragged them through games at times is out of form at the moment 
Exactly. When your talisman is not in form, you're always going to be a bit cautious to things, especially from a supporter's perspective. You want your you want your main man to be scoring goals, but as I say, he's had plenty of supply. But it might just be that burden of that thirtieth goal just weighing on him. Um, he, he needs a penalty or he needs something to come off the end of his nose. He's he's just waiting for waiting for something to drop to him that he doesn't have to work too hard for because I think once that happens, it's the old adage, isn't it? As soon as a striker starts scoring, they start scoring. They, they go, don't they? And I think Ivan Tony is that sort of player. Yeah, he, he has had, he did have two very good chances in this game as well. So hopefully it's just a matter of time before he gets back being as clinical as ever in front of goal. In this game, Brentford had the chance to rest players. They gave chances to the likes of Mark Condes, Rasmussen and Good. Brian and Boomer playing up front not something we've seen too often of course we're usually used to seeing him playing on the right but he was causing plenty of problems up front wasn't he well his, his movement for the goal I know we, we, we can we can laugh about his height and, and the, the Rotherham centre halves but his movement for the goal was pretty good he, he peels off peels off the man and lands straight in between three centre halves it's a great ball from Canos but you've got to you've got to have momentum and then the header really was a, was a very good header I think the, the the great number nine, the great championship number nine, Steve Howard would have been would have been proud of that. I'm just trying to name random number nines in the, in the championship. You just, but you just wanted to get Steve Howard crammed in here, didn't you? Not mentioned him for a long time, if ever. So yeah, oh, you had to you've be definitely mentioned him before. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. He'd have been proud of it, and um, I think him, especially in a in a two in a three five two, having a, a player like Embuemo, who's not a natural striker, who can peel off in the wide positions is really beneficial um, especially for, for fluidity we've seen it with Swansea we've seen it with Rotherham employ, uh, deployed the same formation so it, it, it can work and I think that might be the route that um, Brentford go into the playoff games yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do uh, pursue with this kind of formation and system final point on this game Justin did you notice Brentford's weird kickoff routine? I didn't so there's been a few clips of this that have been going around on social media. So Brentford, when they kick off now, they flick up the ball and just hoof it. (laughs) it, Literally, the player, I can't remember who it was, flick flick it up and then just volley it as far as he can into the opposition half. It's it's very weird. I was going to say, we had had Billy on at the weekend as well and it didn't come up then. So yeah, it's, it's fallen behind... Everything at the minute. I'm not sure if this is a new thing, but I noticed it yesterday and thought, oh, that was a bit weird. But apparently they've done it before. And it's very reminiscent of, you know, when you're in school and the older lads are there going to the younger kids, oh, pass the ball, pass the ball. And then they pass the ball and they just boot the ball into orbit. It was kind of similar to that. I, I guess the outcome isn't the same, though, because at that point, if you're a year seven, you get 10 barrels of shit kicks out of you after that while trying to chase the ball. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think Brentford have got that in them. So no, it'll be interesting to see if this is a regular thing. But keep an eye out for it. It's uh, it's very interesting to say the very least. Um, well, let's look ahead to the weekend, Justin. Of course, this result means the relegation battle is back in Derby's hands, and the whole thing could potentially be wrapped up this weekend. Before we look ahead to the big games in the Championship, Justin, here are the potential permutations of the weekend. Rotherham Ooh. will be relegated if they lose and Derby win. Wednesday will be relegated if they lose or Derby win. If Derby draw, then Wednesday needs to win. The slightly less important ones now. Huddersfield will be safe if Rotherham fail to beat Blackburn. I'd be very surprised if Huddersfield 
get dragged into the relegation battle at this point. Uh, Wickham are virtually down already, but it will be confirmed if Derby get a point from either of their last two games, while Wickham also have to win both their games and score at least 13. So there's still a chance. I didn't follow any of it, but from a neutral's perspective, you don't want it to be wrapped up this weekend. You want it to go down to the wire. Of course you do. Of course you do. Uh, And it will be incredibly Derby to be to just disappoint everybody, including their own fans, to some extent. Well, Wednesday have to get a better result than Derby um, this coming weekend. For anyone who's keeping an eye on that potential Derby Wednesday clash on the last day of the season, uh, very possible. We'll get onto that very shortly. Uh, the final permutation is Norwich will win the league if they win, or Watford fail to beat Brentford. But as I've previously said before, I don't think people particularly care about winning the league. Well, I think they do. I think you want the... Uh, do you get a trophy for finishing second? You get a medal. I th- I remember Neil Warnock moaning about it um, when his Sheffield United side got promoted in 05-06 and they had a shield. They had like a plate. Okay. So I don't know if you get an actual trophy. I don't okay. want a plate. I want a trophy. But, but it would be a bit disappointing if you don't because obviously top gets a trophy and then you get a, tr- a trophy in the playoff final as well, don't you? It should just be yeah. It should just be a handshake and a medal, really. Not even a medal, just a handshake. Mm. But then okay. you get a trophy and a medal for finishing in the playoffs. The logic way, isn't there for me. It's not there. Either way, I still don't think anyone particularly cares about winning the league. If you are, if you offered Norwich second place at the start of I don't know March, they'd have definitely ripped your hand off, even though they looked like they were getting promoted at that point anyway. Uh, Justin, let's move on to the games coming up this weekend. Of course, just three games because they're the only games that really matter. Let's look ahead to the Liberty Stadium, where all eyes will be on Derby against Swansea. Now, the big news from this game is that Steve Cooper has already admitted he's going to be resting players. That has outraged Rotherham and Wednesday fans perhaps understandably do you think it's fair I think given that I mean Steve Cooper's justified it himself quite reasonably given the schedule that they've had Andre Ayers picked up an injury he needs to be rested anyway um, they've got a, a relatively small squad I'm not surprised that he's resting players you know the, the, the playoff place is solidified they've just got to coast through these two games put some performances in Try and get results, and then move on to the playoffs. So I'm not I'm not surprised, and to be honest with you, from a outsider's perspective, it's it's the right thing to do. But I won't be I won't be surprised at Barnsley, um, Brentford, and uh, the other team. Bournemouth. Remember, Bournemouth. They'll be resting players as well. So it's just it's just the way it's the way it's going to be with these final two games for those sides. Yeah, I think if it was someone like Cardiff, for example, who have nothing to play for for the rest of the season, then. I'd be a bit annoyed if I was the opposition teams. But when it is someone like Swansea who has got stuff to play for still, um, then I can understand it. I, I suppose it depends on the extent of the changes. Steve Cooper said he's not going to make 10 or 11 changes, but he says it's going to be similar to like the League Cup, for example. Mm. So that still implies there's going to be quite a few changes. It, it also depends who is going to be missing. Andre Ayew almost looks certain to miss this game, doesn't he? Because there have been concerns about him being fit for the playoffs as a whole, um, even though he did come off the bench at the weekend. But he, he's definitely someone I don't expect to be seeing. And from a Derby perspective, 
that's a massive result in itself, isn't it? Because he is by far Swansea's best player. I mean, you saw him almost end the careers of one of the Reading players. I think it was McIntyre where he dragged it back and puts it through his legs. It was more. Yeah, of course, it was Liam Moore, um, which is even worse because he's very experienced and a very good defender. Um, so, I mean, he's got that quality. He changed the game for, for Swansea against Reading. So, Derby, as you say, given their defensive frailties, will be buzzing that Andre Ayew isn't involved. And if he is involved, again, I think you hand the three points to Swansea. <laughs> well, a Derby win would make the relegation battle pretty much over and done with. Only issue is... Derby are playing so badly that even with a weakened Swansea team, nothing's guaranteed. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, you you were saying that they'll. It, it could be like a League Cup game, so I'm expecting some youngsters thrown in. But under Steve Cooper, I have, I have faith in these youngsters. I, I'm, I'm fully expecting Morgan Whitaker to score the winner in the 89th minute and to run across to Wayne Rooney and give him the V's because he was cast as, <laughs> he was cast aside by him. Um, I, I, he doesn't come across as that kind of lad, so I doubt he'd do that. But it would be very satisfying to see. Um, but they they've got quality in the Swansea team, and they're very well coached. So this is far from an easy game for Derby, even if they play a, a team of eleven youngsters. It's going to be difficult. It's it's always going to be difficult, just because, as we say, Derby are playing so terrible at the moment, so terrible. But it, it is a chance for Derby to erase any fears of relegation, and you'd hope that with. Derby putting out their strongest team that they have got available. They get something from a Swansea side that has got so many changes, but we'll have to wait and see. Justin, let's have a quick break. After that, we'll talk about the other two games in the relegation battle this weekend and talk about some of the big news in the past few days. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to classicfootballshirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Rotherham are in action against Blackburn this weekend. Um, Rotherham, obviously, as we say, going through this terrible run of form at the moment. Fatigue may very well be setting in and players aren't available. Um, But they're coming up against a Blackburn team who have had a pretty terrible few months, have shown a bit of form recently, Justin. What would you say Rotherham need to do differently to get a result here? Oh wow, that's uh, that's difficult because as as we've as we've seen and as we discussed in the first half of the, the 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 episode, they're rotating their team quite often. So can they get the best eleven out? So the thinking behind that is, if they can't, then they're just going to have to be as solid as they have tried to be over the last few games. And I saw a stat yesterday saying Robin of Robin have lost sixteen games by one goal this season, which shows that they are in games, but it's just that final bit of quality that they're lacking to get themselves in front but for me if if Rotherham can can get the first goal that's the important thing if they get the first goal I can see Blackburn struggling to get back into the game although 
if Blackburn play like they did at the weekend, it could be a very one-sided fixture for, for, for Rovers. Well, you say about Rotherham uh, only losing games by one goal. They've only managed to get one goal in their past five games and that has not been helped by some of the chances they have been missing. Admittedly, in the last couple of games, they've not created as many chances, but still, they're, they're causing their own downfall at times by not putting the ball in the back of the net when it's handed to them. So that's the one thing I think they've got to change. That's easier said than done. As long as they keep creating chances, then you'd hope that the goals will eventually fall their way. But Blackburn, as we say, starting to show a bit of form, aren't they? After months of being very poor. So really, they're coming up against this Blackburn team at a bad time, aren't they? They are, and I think Mowbray's fighting for his job as well. So if, if if Blackburn can put in another performance similar to that of the weekend, I think that might be enough to convince maybe some sections of the supporters that have turned against him as well as the board that he is the right man for the job because he's a, he's a very good manager. Um, and as we've seen, he's, he's, he's starting to turn the tide a little bit, albeit a bit too late. Um, but he's come a, they're coming up against a Rotherham team who are going to be low on confidence, shall we say, or just trying to scrap as much as they can because at this point in time, Rotherham can't build up any momentum. They're just going game by game and Blackburn have got to understand that it's it's a cup final for them. So they've got to quash anything um, quickly. And if, if they do that, I can see it being a very one-sided game. Did you see the stat at, that someone put on Twitter recently that Rotherham have finished in either the top four or the bottom four for the last nine seasons? Yeah, that was... Incredible, but they are a bit of a yo-yo club, and they they do need a bit of sustainability. No, not sustainability, consistency in terms of staying in. Because I think this side under Warren have got the potential to to grow. Uh, I think Warren's a very good manager, and they've got a very good side. It's just this COVID, pesky COVID's impacted that. Mm, yeah, it has. And if if they do manage to stay up then um, they'll be looking to try and maintain that and stay in the championship next season. I mean, that goes without saying, but build upon this season. We've seen what Barnsley and Luton have done. They only managed to stay up by the skin of their teeth last season. Rotherham could easily go on a similar route next season. And even if they were to go down, I'm saying this all very early on before they've even been relegated, but if they were to go down, then I think they could do very well in the bouncing back in League One next season. Easily. Easily. Um, the final game involving a side seriously involved in the relegation battle, Justin, is Wednesday. They're taking on Forest, and many Forest fans not wanting to win this for obvious reasons. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It would be very nice if, if one of them take... I mean, it's not been a good season for Forest, so one of the things, one of the achievements or or positives you could take from it is potentially relegating Derby. Um, but I, I don't think it's as clean cut as that. I think there's a lot of players in the Forest team who are playing for their futures. Um, I don't think Hewton's convinced by them and they've been very poor of late since that very good result against uh, QPR. So I think a lot of these Forest players need to give it a go. Um, that's me hoping more than uh, being reassured. <laughs> well, Wednesday, you've got to say, out of Derby, Rotherham and Wednesday, Wednesday are the team that have the most form. It's just a mixture of how they were doing earlier in the season and, of course, the points deduction, which has left them in the position now where they have got to get a better result than Derby. And the fact that they're playing early on before everyone else on Saturday lunchtime, do you think that's going to have any sort of impact? 
Well, they have to have pasta mid-morning, don't they? Which isn't you don't want a big starchy meal in the morning, do you? You want to you want to keep it nice and nice and light. Um, so I think that might have an imp- <laughs> impact. But I, in terms I, I was of, thinking in terms of more of the results as opposed to what they're going to be eating during the day. Oh, sorry, I, I had my nutrition head on. Um, I think it could pile the pressure on for Derby. Let's be honest. If Wednesday pick up a win, it could pile the pressure on for Derby. But for for Wednesday, I think they've. Again, they've taken it game by game. They, they've pulled wins out of the bag. The 5-0 against Cardiff, for example, where'd that come from? They've got that potential to do it. And I think performance-wise, they've actually been pretty steady. It's just been, I wouldn't say luck, but moments that have let them down. Poor defending against QPR, conceded goals, same again in, in other games. So it's those key moments that have really let Wednesday down over the last six games. Yeah, definitely. Well, they've got to get a win from one of the last two games, as we say, because they've got Derby last game, uh, four points behind at the moment. So a draw wouldn't be a terrible result. Of course, it depends how Derby do later on in the day. Um, but the fact that they have got Derby on the last day means it could all come down to that last game. And that will be a fantastic watch. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And the EFL Award nominees have been announced for this season, Justin. Now, I see the EFL Awards as a direct rival to the Second Tier Awards. But as long as everyone is aware that the Second Tier Awards are much more prestigious, then I'm willing to have a quick chat about the EFL Awards. Just a quick note, that show will be coming up in the near future. And I've already started thinking about who I want to win in each category, Justin. But for now, let's talk about these peasant awards instead we'll start with the we'll start with the player of the season the nominees are emmy brendia timu puki and ivan tony not too surprising really anyone who doesn't have brendia or tony in their top three needs to mm. seriously give their head a wobble uh puki perfectly worthy of the other places in oh, two, yeah. but there's a whole host of players who could have also been nominated definitely and um i think i think brendia's got to edge it as well given that timu puki and ivan tony have gone through spells of not having the best of, not being in the best of form, should I say? I think Emmy Wendy is the uh, the clear front runner. I think the other two are just token gestures, aren't they? Justin, we'll have to save that conversation for another day, nearer to the time of these second tier awards. I'm thinking, young player of the season, Max Aaron's, Harvey Elliott, Michael Elise, all on the short list again. Don't think there's too many arguments there. No, not at all. It's it's nice to see a defender on there as well. Uh, I know he's an attacking defender, but yeah, you don't normally see them on there, and it's and it's good to see. I'm a defender myself, so I fully respect it. To be, the fair, AFL. to be fair, he's a very good attack. He's a very good defender, isn't he? For yeah. how old is he? Twenty twenty one. Unbelievable talent, and as we've said plenty of times, I even though Norwich are going up, I'll be surprised if he's still at Carrow Road next season. The final award of interest is the Mitre Goal of the Year. Now this is across the whole of the EFL, but there are three goals from the Championship, which were amongst the nominations. And I had a look at them, Justin. Alex Marrott's goal against Millwall. That's on there. Yep, fine. Very good. Jamal Lowe's solo goal against Cardiff. Again, very good goal. The other one was Fraser Campbell's goal against Forrest. And I saw that and was like, I don't remember that goal. So I searched it and I wouldn't have even put it in my top 20 goals this season. Get in the bin. Right. Why though? It's just a volley inside the box. Sure, he's had to adjust his body quite a lot, but it's not one of the best goals I've seen this season. Spoken like a true crap footballer. <laughs> I 
I, I think Fraser Campbell's technique is 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 much harder to achieve than Alex Mao putting his foot through the ball, for example. For me, full volleys are a near perfection of football. If you can if you can pull off a full volley, like that Liam Kelly drive against Rotherham, uh, that Johansson tipped onto the bar, you're begging for it to go in. It didn't, and you're good at it, it didn't. You're devastated because you want to see full volleys go in the back of the net. And that Fraser Campbell one was, to a T, technique perfection. I, I don't buy it. For me... I can think of off the top of my head. Dwayne Holmes' goal for Huddersfield earlier in the season. Put his foot through the ball. So? Just hit it hard. That's it. Next one. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones now. Tom Lawrence's, you're going to say put through. Put his foot through the ball. Yeah, no okay. technique. Didn't Daryl DK score a very good volley uh, a few weeks ago? That, I would have said that volley was better than this one. Well, you're asking the question, which means it's not very memorable. I, I just do not buy that this is one of the best three goals in the whole of the EFL last over the last season. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. We, we need to poll it. Stick it in a poll. We will do a poll on it, actually. There you go. I'm going to make you eat your Sorry. words. <laughs> Derby's takeover. Has it been complete yet, Justin? It has not been completed. No. According to Sky, Derby players have been reassured that they will all be paid their full wages on time, despite the delays in the latest takeover of the club. The prospective owner, Eric Alonso, is still waiting to hear whether he's passed the EFL owner's tests, Uh, but the current owner, Mel Morris, will honour the £1.2 million wage bill for the players this month, but he is reluctant to continue to do so in future months. Just imagine if this takeover doesn't go through. It's going to cause absolute chaos even more chaos than what's going on at Pride Park right now definitely definitely I think I mean at this moment clearly if Mel Morris is saying that anything's better than Mel Morris I think it's um, he's sanctioned these deals to run up that wage bill this is what surprises me about ownerships who for I mean all the ESL owners saying oh we need more money stop spending as much as you are you don't need to pay £500,000 a week for a left back David Alaba you know you, you, you just don't be more conscious about sustainability it's it's maddening I think there was a clip actually last year from Stephen Pearce saying Derby's business model is sustainable clearly it is because Mel Morris doesn't want to pay for it anymore I completely agree with you Justin I, I really do I mean if, if we're going back to elite footballers then I mean Paul Popper for example they're talking about him being paid half a million a week why would anyone want to pay half a million a week for a footballer who has been inconsistent now for the past three or four seasons? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And if we're talking at an EFL level, then the number of players on ridiculous wages north of 20 grand a week who, quite frankly, don't deserve anywhere near that would, I think, blow quite a few people's minds. I, I don't have any inside information, but I can only... I can only dare think of some of those players who are earning that amount of money. We'll know more when we get the accounts, when Derby finally release their accounts, because we've seen it with Reading, the, their wage bills, madness, and Derby will be on a similar level. I think I, I read Price of Football said the same thing. Um, if you want a, a good variant of where Derby are, look at Forrest's wage bill, because that's where Derby will, will be. Um, and again, very high. It's just maddening. Championship football owners crazy people yeah just handing out massive contracts to players who 
usually end up not even playing that much. I mean, there's quite a few at Derby right now who are probably on massive wages but just aren't playing. Anyway, uh, in contract news, Preston defender Greg Cunningham has signed a new two-year deal at the club. His current one expires in the summer. Preston fans seem fairly happy with that. And we were just talking about terrible ownership. Swansea have reported a pre-tax profit of £2.7 million. This is for the year ending July 2020. It was helped by the sale of Ollie McBurney, but a championship club making a profit in Covid times? Fair play, Swansea. My jaw has hit the floor, honestly. <laughs> I mean, £2.7 million isn't you know an astronomical amount of money, but when we're here in... Covid and there are clubs whose futures are up in the air at the moment. They've they've done bloody well, haven't they? Two point seven million is a huge profit. It's massive compared to the losses that some championship clubs make. We're we're, we're talking about thirty million pound losses. I think Forest made a thirty two million pound loss. Two point seven million pound profit is ridiculously good. Obviously, parachute payments have helped, but you've seen some clubs like Stoke overspend with their parachute payments, and they're now stuck with as we were saying, average players on high wages. Swansea have managed their model very well and they're probably better equipped to, because this is the last year of the parachute payments, they'll be better equipped to go again next year. And they finished in the top 10 on three occasions as well. It's nothing but a success, um, although Swansea fans might disagree. But it is also worth mentioning they've sold the likes of Joe Roden, got the likes of Mike van der Horn off the wage bill as well. So they're making more you know, room for manoeuvre all the time. And Andre Ayew, if they are in the Championship next season, he's going to be heading out the door. So that's another wage off the budget as well. So Swansea look like a club who are being very well run. Um, the fans might not necessarily agree when they're not back in the Premier League if they don't go up in the playoffs this season. But everything looks very smooth sailing behind the scenes doesn't it right Justin I think that's just about it for us on the show this week isn't it we'll be back again on Sunday to talk through a massive weekend in the championship with the relegation battle will it finally all be sorted out this coming weekend Justin we'll have to wait and see if if it is we'll still be here with you going through all of it on Sunday so this has been the second tier podcast I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peach thank you for listening 